0: they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, "'Friend, your sins are forgiven.' The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, "'Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? "'Who can forgive sins but God alone?' Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, "'Why are you thinking these things in your hearts?' Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today.
1: It's great to be here again this morning. Um, yeah, and to share with the Lord's Supper as well with you, um, to remember Christ. Uh, quite relevant as uh, it connects quite well with our passage today. I want to start off uh, asking a question. Uh, I wonder what the biggest issue in your life is. What, what continues to affect every moment of your day and stays on the top of your mind each moment you live? What's the biggest thing in your life that needs to be solved? Maybe it's your financial situation and your need to make sure you have enough money before the next bill comes through. Maybe it's the constant thought and anxiety, questioning if you're doing a good enough job, that never goes away. Or maybe it's like what we've just read, of a man who lives with an ongoing condition and urgently needs to be healed. Here, Jesus uses this opportunity not to do the expected, of first healing this man, but to teach a lesson about something far more important. The first thing Jesus wants us to understand is that he addresses our deepest need. Just imagine what we've read playing out as a movie. Our main character is a man sitting on the ground, paralyzed and unable to move. His mind is very sharp and he's alert of what's going on but he can't join in with anything because he knows that his limbs will fail him if he tries to get up. He's probably lived with this condition all of his life and born that way. Okay, our scene then moves over to a man who's just arrived in town. He's teaching some radical things, but more importantly to the paralyzed man's attention, he's starting to heal people. The man thinks to himself, well, this man named Jesus is amazing. I need to go and meet with him so I can be healed myself. Now, because he can't move and there's a huge crowd around Jesus, he gets his friends together and comes up with a plan. They decide to find a way through the roof to lower down because they can't get through the crowd. And that's exactly what they do. So his friends pick him up on his mat and they take him up to the roof, lower him down, right in the center of attention, right in front of Jesus and everybody else. Then Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wait, hold on right there. What did Jesus just say? The paralyzed man went to all this effort to get up to the roof, lower down, and the first thing Jesus says is, your sins are forgiven. What's... Forgiveness got to do anything with healing his condition. It's not what the man was expecting. He was expecting to be healed. What's that got to do with sin? Why on earth would Jesus say that? Well, let's take another look at our passage and see why Jesus does this. Notice what Luke writes in verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend... Your sins are forgiven. The reason why Jesus forgives this man is because of their faith. But what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to see their faith? Well, later in the story, we see that Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking. And so this is proof of his omniscience, knowing everything, even our deepest hearts and desires. Because Jesus is God, he knew their attitude and saw the faith that they had. But we ourselves, we can also see that the faith that they demonstrated, in fact, the the, the fact that they went up to the roof and lowered him down, just shows their earnest desire and belief that Jesus had the power to heal. And if this was not the case, they wouldn't have gone to so much effort to see Jesus. Okay, That still doesn't answer the question, however, why does Jesus bring up sin rather than just healing him straight away? It's because Jesus understands us both inside and out and he knows our biggest need. Imagine someone who's homeless. They're living on the streets, they are poor and asking for money so that they can buy food and enough clothes to live. The reason why they ask for money isn't because their deepest need is to have enough cash to buy their next meal. What if someone went up to them and got to know them instead and introduced them to a new community and helped them to apply for a job and earn enough money to live by? The actual need isn't the money itself, but the ability to connect with others and provide for themselves. The problem is thinking that we know our own deepest need when there's actually a bigger problem that we might overlook. In the same way, Jesus knows our deepest need and it's the same as this paralyzed man. Paral- man par- paralyzed man asks for healing but Jesus knows the much more important thing is for his sins to be forgiven. It's like what Jesus mentions a few chapters later. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? It would be very far worse eternally for this man to be healed and unable to leave his life normally like everyone else, but at the expense of not having faith or, and being judged and ultimately sent to hell. If our sins aren't forgiven by God who is in control of this universe he created, Then we are laid to waste in sin and unable to have a relationship with God and deserving of death. Jesus knew the deepest need of this paralyzed man, and he also knows our deepest need. Our deepest need is to be forgiven by God. It's so easy to think that what we believe is missing in our own lives is the thing we most need. For you, it might be something material, like buying a new car or a house, which make your life easier. Or maybe it's like this paralyzed man having a health condition that needs to be healed. Or maybe you feel in the need to be in a relationship with someone who you know will love and care for you. Now, Jesus doesn't dismiss those needs, and those are probably very good needs to have. But Jesus wants us to know, more importantly than anything else... The thing we need most is to know him, to have faith in him, to have our sins forgiven. I wonder if there's a need in your life that distracts you knowing this greater reality. So Jesus wants us to know that our deepest need is to be forgiven. But he also wants us to know the reason why we need to be forgiven by him. That reason is when we sin, we sin against God as well, which is why Jesus, being God Himself, is the only one who can forgive sins. We see this in verse 21, where the Pharisees kind of understand this, but not quite. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law begin thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They, in fact, are correct in saying, Who can forgive sins but God alone? But they also mention that Jesus is blaspheming. And they don't believe that Jesus is God and has the power or authority to forgive sin. Also, take note what what Jesus says when he speaks to the paralyzed man. He says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus isn't just talking about one specific sin, but plural. Multiple sins... In fact, not just a couple of sins, but all of his sin. This is all inclusive. Every single sin that this man has committed, Jesus is saying, has been forgiven. From his smallest white lie to his biggest crime, all of his sin, past, present and future, Jesus says, has been forgiven. We still don't know, however, why is Jesus the one that needs to be doing the forgiveness? Imagine this is the first time Jesus has even seen this paralyzed man. So why on earth should Jesus be concerned about his sin? The paralyzed man didn't sin directly against Jesus. Say someone asked me to do something, but I forget to do it. For example, I decide to organize to catch up with a friend for coffee. So we meet uh, at, on a Friday at 2 p.m., I'm not sure what it's like here in Olveston, but in Launceston, all the cafes close by 3, so we have to do it by 2. So Friday comes around, and later in the day, I get a call from them. And as soon as I pick up my phone and I see their name, I realise instantly I was supposed to meet with them. And I have a look at the time, and it's 2 o'clock. Sorry, it's already 10 past 2, and I haven't even left my house to go meet with them. Now, although it was unintentional, I have wronged my friend, and I need to ask for forgiveness when I answer that call. Is my friend who I'm wronged, and they are the person I need to ask forgiveness from. It would make no sense if I was to arrive at the cafe late, meet up with them, and then go up to a, late, a waiter and say, can you please... Uh, Forgive me for getting to meet with my friend. I reckon if I did that, I'd get a bit of a weird look. It's not the waiter that I've sinned against. It's my friend. It's only between the two parties that are involved in the conflict that need to be involved in making forgiveness. So why does Jesus forgive this man then? He forgives them because when we sin against God... When we sin, we sin against God also. Because God is the one who's created us in this ordered world. He cares about sin. So when we sin, we are saying to him, I know better and I am going to do it my own way. When we sin, we flip the order of his creation, saying that we are the ruler of it. When we sin, God is the one who is most offended even more than the person we've sinned against. Therefore, Jesus is the one that needs to forgive our sin because when we sin, we sin against him. Now, of course, we need to ask forgiveness from the person we've sinned against because Jesus says, if if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So we need to make sure that we ask forgiveness from the person we wronged, but we, as what I just read says, we need to more importantly ask forgiveness from God, because when we sin, we also sin against him. I wonder if you can relate to, with King David, who wrote Psalm 51 as he sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right when in your verdict and justified when you judge. Against God and him only... Have you and I sinned and done what is evil in his sight? Some of you may know this and feel this regularly and get down on your knees like David, asking for forgiveness. But for most of us, if you're completely honest, you've started to become numb to the seriousness of sin in some way or another. And have started to take for granted Christ's sacrifice for you every time you lie to your boss about the work you've done, every time you do a few extra kilometres over the speed limit in your car, every time you participate in some argument over a trivial matter. No matter how small or big, intentional or not, each time you do those things, you sin and offend God. Sin is not a joke. It's a big problem that disrupts us to have an ability to have a relationship with God, and we all deserve his righteous judgment of death because of our sin. But fortunately, Christ has saved us from this punishment, and we can be thankful for that. But I I wonder, when was the last time you felt your need to be forgiven? Like David as he gets down on his knees and realises how much he has offended the one who's created him. So Jesus is the one who knows our deepest need and that is to him to whom we need to ask forgiveness from. But he also wants us to know that he alone is the one that has authority to forgive sin this is exactly what the Pharisees point out when they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew this, their thoughts and uses this opportunity to prove that he is God and ha- does have the authority to forgive sin, as he makes clear in verse 24. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He wants us to know that it is God who, Who has authority to forgive sin but how does he prove this notice what he says in verse 23 which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk to understand what Jesus is trying to get at here we need to make the distinction between what is easier to say and what is easier to do it is easier to say to someone their sins are forgiven because it doesn't require any proof is just believed. Whereas if you say to someone, get up and walk, the expectation right after that is that the paralyzed man will get up and walk. Otherwise, what you've said is obviously false. This is how Jesus proves that the sins, this man's sins, um, are forgiven by doing what is harder to do. If I say to one of, if I say that I am friends with a queen, How do you know that's true? Even though it seems unlikely, you can't know if that is true or not. You just have to believe me. Whereas if I say I can levitate off this podium and float, I'd then have to prove it to you by doing it right now. Now, of course, I can't do that. uh, But you get the idea, right? One statement requires belief, and one requires action to be believed. But if I did levitate off this podium right now, you might be more convinced that I am friends with the Queen. And probably many other things, I tell you. Although it's not quite the same in Jesus' situation, it is, it is similar. The only way that Jesus can prove this man's sins are forgiven is to heal him. Surely if Jesus can do the unbelievable and heal him from his life-affecting disease, surely we can believe that Jesus has forgiven him and has the authority to do so. But how can we know that our sins are forgiven? Jesus isn't right here in person with us right now and mightn't have healed any of us or solved any of our problems. So how can we know that we have been forgiven? Well, actually, Jesus has given us proof. And that's what he did when he died and rose again from the grave. Jesus has forgiven us the sins of all those who believe. And that's what we celebrated here this morning. We can know it's true because he's done the unbelievable and risen from the dead. And we can be certain of that now, today, because of the evidence we read in the Bible. We have four well-recognized books from different authors documenting this event, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. For the New Testament alone, there are about 14,000 ancient copies of it and all of them were written within 300 years of Jesus. The original document of Mark's gospel was written within 65 years. That's literally within the same lifetime. From a historian's perspective, this is quite substantial and very reliable particularly when you compare it to other significant events in history, which has less information and evidence. The historian John Dixon uh, put a bet in 2014, saying, he will eat a page out of his Bible if someone can find a full professor of ancient history, classics, or New Testament in any real university in the world who argues that Jesus never lived. Well, let's just say that... His Bible is safe and has every page still in it. We've only talked about the historical evidence, and to me, that's already very convincing. God has given us assurance that through his word about his son, so that we might believe and know that we have been forgiven. Jesus has the authority to forgive our sins, and we can be certain of that because of the cross of Jesus, where he paid the punishment of our sin that we deserved. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about this, your deepest need to be forgiven. Or maybe you've previously struggled to understand that it is more importantly Jesus that needs to deal with your sin. If this is you, and you recognise how much of a life your mess is, sorry, a mess of your life is, and you realise your sin and unable to redeem yourself and that the only su- solution to that is to be forgiven by Jesus. If you can relate to this, I encourage you to please talk with a Christian friend or someone you've seen up here this morning so that they can pray for you and help you in living a new life for God. If you're already a Christian, it can be easier to become familiar with this idea that Jesus has forgiven you. But i hope after listening to some of these words this morning and seeing jesus actions it gives you a deeper assurance and that when jesus says it is finished he indeed did cancel your debt and has forgiven you and when you come to god humbly in prayer and confess your sin you can be certain that he has forgiven you god the father sent his son to die on the cross as proof and if we believe that through him the punishment we deserved has been paid for, then we can be certain that our sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us. Thank you for his sacrifice. You, you gave your only son in our place so that we can be forgiven. Thank you that we can be certain of that truth today and have assurance that when we ask for forgiveness, you have forgiven us. Father, help us to realize our need for forgiveness, to relate with David as he gets down on his knees and asks for confession. We pray that we would not take for granted the sacrifice that Christ has given us. Help us to be thankful for this and to give you all the glory and honour that you deserve because of what you've done for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.